An old school cutthroat associate cricket competition is on our hands. The Cricket World Cup qualifier playoff in Namibia. 16 tournament that decides who goes through to the qualifier, who will play in League 2 in the next cycle, and who will be forced to go through the Challenge League. That's all coming up in a special here at Emerging Cricket. I'm Daniel Bezik. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Skinner to preview the tournament. A lot on our hands here. So many things to talk about, Nick. Glad to be talking about it with you. How's things in Iceland? I'm all right, Pez. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to juggle this episode with, uh, you know, various members of the team uh, busy with uh, life. Ah, yes. Uh, Tim having a birthday and some flights, and uh, we're all we're all we're all very busy. But uh, yes, it's it's great to be it's great to be here, and it's great to be actually talking about cricket once again. Yeah, quite a lot going on this weekend. We've uh, employed our trusty uh, American correspondent Nate Hayes to talk major league cricket at some point as well. So look out for that. And yes, I've got to put up my hand, Nick, as uh, being partly responsible for that. Uh, hence this being released a little bit later this week. It's just meant that a lot of people have enjoyed the uh, Nepali pod- podcast of the League 2 success last week a little bit more. So I'm sure uh, many of our fans out there out there aren't too worried about that. But yeah, putting my hand up, Nick, uh, things came up midweek and then went away for a couple of days on some on some leave with some days off in in lieu that I've managed to accrue over the last sort of three months or so. Headed out to the Blue Mountains, did some hiking. Cricket World Cup qualifier playoff is here and hopefully you're listening to this with it just beginning. It's a six-team tournament. It's, of course, part of the pathway for the Cricket World Cup 2023, uh, which will be held a little bit later in the year, October uh, it's a six-team tournament with the top two teams progressing to the Cricket World Cup qualifier, which is a 10-team event. Uh, there's also a game within the game here in terms of who will keep their ODI status for the League 2 cycle uh, in the next World Cup cycle and who will take part in League 2 as a result of that. Uh, the six teams, Namibia, USA, UAE, PNG, Canada, Jersey. Uh, but what is most important is that every single match in this competition uh, will be a one-day international, even for Jersey and Canada who have come through the Challenge League pathway to get here uh, and who don't currently have one-day international status. Matches that will be played will count as one-day internationals. Uh, And just the caveat of the cycle for the next Cricket World Cup and the League 2 structure Namibia and USA are safe and will be in League 2 no matter what, although the other four teams are competing for those two spots in League 2 and ODI status from the next cycle. So UAE and PNG are two of those teams because they finished 6th and 7th on the League 2 table. And of course, Jersey and Canada are looking to move up the divisions from Challenge League to League 2. Quite a bit going on there, and we know it's uh, taken quite a bit of explanation. And look, if anyone has any questions regarding it, feel free to reach out on uh, the likes of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram just to make sure you've got it all down pat. But what it does mean is we've got a pretty exciting competition on our hands, Nick. And thinking about it over the last week, trying to come up with predictions and uh, points of difference between the teams... I look at this competition as probably the most competitive and maybe one of the closest run associate competitions uh, in associate cricket. Maybe some of the old World Cricket League uh, events from back in the day can probably provide a case. World Cricket League 2 in 2019 was incredibly close in the end in terms of who finished in the final four. But 
we're going to come up with predictions at some point at the end of this conversation. And to be honest, I'm not looking forward to it because I still don't know what the order is from one to six here. Well, the order is Canada number one, and then uh, we'll, we'll figure it out after that. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> the yeah, no, as you say, it's, it's an incredibly close competition. <laughs> it's, uh not really any obvious favourites. You would think uh, at, at full strength, you would think Namibia would be kind of the runaway favourites, but they're missing uh, five first choice players. Uh, so that's going to put a dent in any team. Uh, so we've got a weakened Namibia. We've got uh, PNG, who've been pretty dismal over the last few years, but they seem to have just found their feet a little bit with, with a couple of impressive wins uh, over the UAE. We've got the UAE, who've been just a total mess uh, recently. You know, they've just sacked their coach, which is <laughs> it's, it's never a good sign when you're, when you're sacking your coach, you know, a week or two before a tournament. Um, the USA... Yeah, well, we we can get into the USA with with Nate a bit later on. Uh, Jersey actually are probably the most settled and you know coherent team in that they've got a, a good combination of of some really exciting young players. They've got uh, Chuggy Pashad, who's been around for a while, leading the side. Uh, a couple of other uh, senior senior guys like Jonty Jenner who've been in the team for a while. You know, so they've, they're, this is Jersey's best chance I think that they've had or will ever have really to really make a push up into the league two and and that would be a remarkable achievement for a team you know we talk about bermuda with what seventy thousand people and they struggle in the challenge league yeah jersey's got i think maybe slightly more people but you know in the same ballpark i think they have a hundred yeah yeah i think it's a hundred so like slightly more people than bermuda but but you know not that many more and and they've managed to put together a, a a pretty competent team that's that's like definitely competitive at this level so yeah, I'm just a bit of a shame that we couldn't get to Namibia. Um, various reasons uh, from everyone, but uh, unfortunately, no League Two uh, reunion. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm only half joking with Canada winning because Canada have a pretty good team. Uh, we're not sure what's happened to Navneet Dhaliwal, who was uh, captain. Yeah, I was in just the, about to bring that up uh, in the Toronto leg. Um, I believe it's it's work related. Um, he's from what I've heard, he has a job that um, he, he hasn't been able to get time off for, but that's sort of unconfirmed at this point. But yeah, other than other than Daliwal, pretty much a first choice team, and and a lot of exciting players coming through. You know, Aaron Johnson at the top of the order who absolutely whacks it. I, I don't know what's going on with uh, Natish Kumar, but it seems like he's kind of given up on on his Canada career at this point. Uh, he was picked as a local in the uh, in the draft at. Uh, the major league, um, so I, I don't think we can really count him as missing per se. He hasn't played for Canada for three years, maybe four, even a, a long time. So uh, they they seem to have moved on from each other. But yeah, Matthew Spores back in the team after after missing a little bit. You know, Nicholas Curtin's back from his his time in the Caribbean. Yeah, I still remain to be convinced, but it seems like he's he's putting together a few more uh, convincing performances for Canada. So I'm starting to accept that he's earning his place in the team. I'll put it that way. Just keep an eye on Callum Sana. You know, he he's come into the team relatively recently and you know, combined with Jeremy Gordon and uh, Dylan Haliger, you know, their their fast bowling attack is is pretty solid and of course uh, Nikhil Dura and 
um, Saad bin Zafar, the skipper, um, right and left arm finger spin options. So, but yeah, I mean, same as Jersey. These are two very strong teams who've come up from the Challenge League, and 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 that's you know that's the strength of the structure and the format. And yeah. that's a credit to Richard Doan, who was the high performance manager at the time when it was all uh, kind of put together. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I can. I'm I'm not sure what you think about the sort of game within a game scenario here. I think it probably would have been cleaner if they just had a direct playoff series or something, you know, between Jersey, Canada, PNG and the UAE. Or, I mean, my, my personal sense is that, you know, the logic for having uh, Namibia and USA be immune from relegation makes sense in that it, it's, it's basically saying that, you know, these teams were pretty consistent over uh, the course of a, a three-year league. So it'd be kind of unfair if they got relegated based on, you know, a few games in one tournament. And, and I understand that, and it's rewarding their consistency. But at the same time, you know, PNG were pretty dismal for most of this League 2 cycle. So, you know, if you're rewarding consistency, I think you should be kind of punishing teams that are consistently bad. So my sense is that at least the last place team should have been automatically relegated. And then from there, maybe you could say that teams ranked five and six were on the chopping block. Then you'd have the top three in League Two straight into the into the World Cup qualifier. Number four has to qualify for the qualifier, but also is immune from relegation. Five and six are on the chopping block. And then seven is automatically relegated because, you know, if you come last in League, yeah. And, and you know, on the flip side... So if you're rewarding consistency in League Two, you should be rewarding consistency in the Challenge League, where you know Canada dropped. I think they only lost one game in the whole the whole series. Uh, Jersey, yes, they uh, they made it through on net run rate ahead of Uganda, who were very good candidates as well. But they did win the thing, and they were the best team in in the competition over the course of yeah three years. So yeah, I I don't love the kind of wonkiness of having a you know the the multiple sort of things going on with the same tournament. Yeah, look, I don't think there is a, a, a clear-cut solution. I can't quite come up with one right now off the top of my head. But what this has done is that one of the good things about League 2 is that it's meant that every team has had something to play for the entire cycle. Even looking at someone like PNG, who have been nailed on last for seemingly a, a year or even two years in the League 2 cycle, it's been important for them to ensure that they get the winning rhythm towards the back end of the cycle. So when they go straight to the qualifier playoff, they can find some form and, and pick up the important wins that they need to keep their one-day international status. And it gives Namibia and USA a reward for finishing fourth and fifth and just outside those League 2 positions. But yeah, you make a good point in that, you know, can you just have a separate playoff that pits those four teams together? And the other thing to factor in too is that, you know, It'll be the matches against Namibia and USA, which are potentially there for these teams to make their points. And if it's not really a a table of just those bottom four teams playing each other in the bottom four, then I'm not sure what that means in terms of the six-team tournament and then how a team's going to play out their campaigns towards the back end of this six-team round-robin tournament as well. Well, I mean, you can imagine a scenario where, for example, let's say Jersey finish ahead of Canada, they finish ahead of Namibia, and they finish ahead of the USA. So they come third, and they've beaten multiple teams that are ranked higher than them, and they still wouldn't get promoted because if, you know, if, if PNG and UAE turn around their form, which is not out of the question, then suddenly a team that 
has performed pretty well in in the in the tournament still gets relegated back to the challenge league so yeah I, I don't i don't love that kind of structure of it going back to sort of the ins and outs of some of these teams uh we did mention i think you at the at the top there talking about namibia's unavailabilities jj smith is injured Jan Freilings injured, so that's two key all-rounders for them that have played that have played in basically the whole cycle who are, are not there and not available. David Visa's not there. Tangeni Longomini, who's been a great backup left arm quick, in the absence of Smith and Freiling, is also missing. Uh, Lauren Lovrens is out as well. Look, I think Namibia still have probably the best depth out of the the six teams that are playing in this competition. So. You could probably still put them as a favourite to finish in the top two and on home soil as well. We know how important that can be in competitions like this. Gerard Erasmus will have his work cut out with him, particularly on the bowling front, but there should be enough runs there to, to ensure that they do finish in the top two. But just to start with Namibia, Nick, you know, you, you look at those players who are out. A couple of uh, ins. Nico Davin is back in the frame, which is interesting to see. We know that he likes to go hard at the top of the order. I'm not sure, you know, that's from a T20 point of view. I'm not sure if that's going to translate to the 50 over stuff and or if they want to bring him down to a, a death over death uh, situation where he comes in and hits the ball hard. Uh, you've got enough runs there. Michael Van Lingen has, has shown that he's uh, got plenty of runs in him as well. But the other thing you need to factor in is that uh, no Craig Williams in this team and hasn't been in the team for a long time. And he uh, was such a key figure in terms of runs and just an experienced head in the team at the top of the order. Uh, don't know what's happened of uh, Stephen Bard as well, who's not there. So all of a sudden, the depth is tested. They do probably have the best depth out of anyone in this competition, Nick. But as hosts, it's they're not nailed on top two finishes here, although you, you probably just favor them to, to edge one of those two spots at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, on the flip side, uh, it'll be an interesting test of their depth. And, um, you know, if they can qualify to the uh, the main qualifier with a, I don't want to say second string team, but, you know, with, with, a, with a weakened team, that'll probably give them a lot of, <laughs> a lot of confidence. Uh, yeah, some of the names are pretty interesting. Davin, as you say, hasn't played for Namibia for... Or a few years now, um, but he, I mean he's still only 25. So he, you know they, they've got this great production line of uh, of under 19s talent that they can kind of draw on, and that's one of the more impressive aspects of their setup is you know they've got the domestic um, Richelieu T20 competition. Um, Davin, I think in one of his uh, recent games there, uh, hit a century, although that was well over a year ago. So he might be opening, you know, taking on that, that Lohan Lawrence role, although who Lohan Lawrence partner was, was kind of an open question as well. So they're, they're, I think the top of the order is, <laughs> there's a lot of question marks. Yeah. Interesting point about uh, Bard as well. I mean, he was... Not in fantastic form uh, over the last little while, but I don't know that he, he was uh, performing you know badly enough that, that he he wouldn't make it into a team when they're missing you know a bunch of first choice players. So potentially it's more of a um, maybe more of a work situation, which is always kind of the risk with a lot of these Namibian players. I think Nico Zavin actually was an example of that, where once you get a quote unquote real job, it's it's a bit hard to. Uh, commit full-time to to playing for the national team. Um, I know they do have professional contracts, but even within that system, a lot of the time, people want to sort of prioritize their non-cricket career, which is which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, Mikhail Dupriya coming in, sort of a, yeah, another batting wicketkeeper, I guess a lack-for-lack lack replacement 
for Lohan Lawrence. Uh, he's he's pretty impressive. Uh, he's played a few matches for Namibia in some of their uh, home series. He, he's played a couple of times. Uh, I think he might have been playing in that series they had against Uganda a little while ago. Um, yeah, so he's he's played a little bit in and around the national team. Uh, he he also made some appearances uh, back in the day when they were uh, in in the South African domestic setup. Sean Fauché, who Played, I think, maybe one of Namibia's uh, ODIs in, in their uh, recent sort of back end of their League 2 run. Yeah, another product of their under-19s program. Sort of that 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 um, typical Namibian mould of a all-rounder, bats a bit, bowls a bit, um, <laughs> kind of not really sure what, what, what his uh, main role in the team is. But uh, yeah, so as you say, I, I think the... the Batting should be more or less good enough, assuming Davin can can have a good series. Interesting question about whether yeah whether he opens and goes hard at the top or if, if they kind of leave him in reserve as as a bit of a hitter down the order because you know you you do look at this lineup and who have they got down the order that can come in and increase the run rate because that was sort of the job that guys like uh, JJ Smith and and David Visa and and Freilink were playing in the in the team and they they're missing sort of three of their finishers. Picky Yafrens kind of was doing a bit of that. And, and I like him down the order as well. Uh, Ruben Trompelman can can give it a whack. So they do still have the ingredients for a, for a good team. But yeah, I mean, their the bowling lineup, JJ Smith, Tangeni Lungameni, David Visa, Freilink, that's basically a first-choice bowling attack. And, and it's, they're just not there. So it'll give some of the younger guys a go, but... I think you're a bit harsh on calling uh, Lungameni a backup bowler. He, he's yeah. averaging under 20 with the that, ball over the last sort of year or two. He's been very, very good. He, I, I don't know. I mean, because he he's been in the team for a, a little while and he, he's sort of never impressed me until the last couple of years. He's just found another gear and he's come along a lot. I don't think he's even necessarily got a lot faster. He just seems to have got a lot more accurate and, and, and been hitting those tricky areas a lot more. So they'll definitely miss him, um, especially on the home pitches. But yeah, I mean... You know, there's a couple of guys who are nailed on, obviously, Erasmus, Zane Green with the gloves, Bernard Scholtz with the ball, Trompeman opening Van Lingen at the top. But then sort of beyond that, there's there's a lot of pieces and it'll be interesting to see how they all kind of uh, fit together. It's good to see Mauritius and Gupta in the squad too, uh, who will provide a, a spin option for... Erasmus and could come in handy, especially as the the tournament goes a little later on, and the wickets might start to to turn a little and get a little bit tired. Uh, you make a good point, and just now I'm sort of looking at this at this squad list that they've put together and working out how exactly uh, they are going to line up. Uh, there's every chance too that someone like a Zane Green might open the batting uh, and, and play mm. just to kind of hold the fort at the top. He has done that in the past. Granted, one of the the criticisms of, of Zane in times gone by is that he hasn't got on with it quick enough. Uh, but the one day setup or and the one day the playing conditions and, and the power play might work in his favor a little bit and he can sort of build into his innings. It's a good chance for him to really show his credentials as a as a batting power, especially in this team, given that, that so many guys are out. Uh, Lofty Eaton is important. Uh, Michel Dupree could find himself in the top three as well. If they lose a couple of quick wiggers, do they throw Picciar France up the order and just get him to hold the fort for a little bit too? Because you've got him as as a guy who's almost converted himself into a, a spin bowling all-rounder rather than one of those gritty uh, opening bats that was so good in the old uh, I-Cup days, RIP I-Cup. That's another option. I've said in the past, I think they, they probably should experiment with... Carl Birkenstock is another one too. I mean, Birkenstock's another one of these guys who kind of... <laughs> Uh, he bowls, he bats, he floats around the order quite a lot. Um, yeah, so yeah, 
and and Namibia are a very flexible team in terms of their um, who goes where in, in the team as well. So, yeah, one one to watch. Well, you, you did talk about Canada in great depth there, so I don't think we need to talk about them too much. Although I will agree that you know now's the time for them to to cash in and have a real go here, given their success in in Challenge League with such an outstanding run that they had. Uh, but looking to someone like PNG, a team that have been quite rigid in their structure over the course of the last three years. And granted, they've got a lot of guys who can bowl. They've got a lot of guys who can bat. They've got a lot of all-rounders in the team, although we know that runs have been overall really hard to come by in League 2. They've managed to find some semblance of runs where a few guys have finally stood up and pushed out some really important runs to kind of help out Asad Vala. The stat that you know anyone can kind of run with is that Asad Vala made more than double the, the amount of runs that any other player in that squad compiled in the League 2 cycle. He almost topped Gerard Erasmus as the top run scorer in the competition, which is balmy to know, considering how poor some of those totals were, were put up by PNG and how much pressure there would have been on uh, Vala's shoulders, not only as the one batter who seemingly had a rhythm, but also as the captain of the team. Tony Ura had an injury. He was under a bit of an injury cloud coming into this. He's been named in the squad, which I think is a big boost. As to how they deploy him, it remains to be seen if they want to sort of bring him down the order like they, they have pushed down Asad Vala to bat in the 4-5 region. CJ Amini, who was actually their second leading run scorer in the competition, I think there's more to come with him, both with the ball and the bat, actually. But there have been some good signs of a couple of guys coming into the team and making a bit more of an impact than we might have seen in Barramundi's teams of times gone past. Riley Hecare has stepped up and shown his capabilities for the team. A couple of player of the match performances. Uh, we've mentioned John Carrico in uh, previous episodes. Nick, you made a point about him, I think, maybe a, a fortnight ago. Uh, we know Chad Soper is ever consistent with the ball and will contribute, importantly, with the bat. Sema Kamea has been good coming in with the ball as well. And Norman Vanner has found... A bit more of a rhythm, especially with the bat hitting some late order runs when there has been a platform of sorts set up. So things are a little bit more bright on the PNG side in recent weeks, Nick, but we know that they're capable of going down that horrible route and being bowled out for 150 again. The question I think is, you know, just how can they move that rhythm from the end of League 2 into the, the qualifier playoff with Mark Coles as coach? We know that there's been a bit of a carousel there with Carl Sandry not there anymore. Uh, they seem... a, a a more together unit. They seem like they're a little bit happier at the moment. The results are starting to show and they've got a knack of coming through when it matters, like World Cricket League four years ago in in Namibia when they they snuck into that final ODI spot. So they go back to a place where they've got happy memories in Namibia as well. A little bit serendipitous maybe, but they've they've got the team on paper that can do it. It's just a case of which PNG we get, hopefully for them, the the latter PNG over the last sort of four to six weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who ends up fully in the squad. I mean, I haven't seen their official squad announcement yet um, and whether a couple of the guys who performed well uh, in that Pacific Challenge kind of make it uh, back into the senior team or or if they're just sticking with the guys who were putting it together towards the last uh, few matches in, in League 2. Yeah, as you say, it's kind of the same story as <laughs> as ever. Yeah, they, they need Asad Vala to perform, obviously, but they also need kind of someone 
a, a couple of people to bat around him for them to put up a, a competitive total. I think, yeah, as, as you said, John Carrico, I'm, I'm interested in, I'll keep an eye on him, you know, left-arm orthodox spinner, uh, showed a bit. And yeah, as, as you made the point about uh, Mauritius and Gupita, he, he could come into his own as, as the pitchers uh, get a bit tired towards the back end of the tournament. And you know, the back end of the tournament is often when PNG do their best work. So that'll be a little storyline to keep an eye on. I mean, PNG, the the problem is the same that they've had the whole time, which is, you know, they, they do just have quite a few of these, uh, I mean, bits and pieces is maybe a bit a bit harsh, but just these guys who kind of bowl a bit and bat a bit, and but you, you're not really sure if they're a batting all-rounder or a bowling all-rounder, um, haven't really been consistent enough. So if they can put it together, as you say, with with the you know we we discussed it a couple of weeks ago as they were you know actually starting to win a, a few games they are a confidence team so if they can carry through that confidence from the back end of league 2 I, I think they'll be a real threat and i mean they really they only need to beat a couple of teams to stay ahead of them and and and, and retain their odi status so i guess that's kind of a, a i don't know a load of their shoulders maybe in that, that they don't have to necessarily finish in the top two and qualify to the world cup qualifier proper they've just got a, a more manageable target kind of in their sights which I, I think might help as well i agreed with that and i'm starting to wonder you know should we really pay a lot of attention to the early league two form of of png and only focus on the last six weeks I know uh, there really wasn't a whole lot of buy-in after Joe Dawes and then when Carl Sandry came in and, and now that they are playing under Mark Coles, the senior playing group are definitely in a better headspace than they were, say, a year or so ago. Uh, and we know that these guys are playing for their livelihoods and when we saw them in the same position four years ago, they managed to find a way. They clawed, they fought, they scratched, they did everything that they had to on the last day. And to be fair, they did get a little bit of help along the way from a couple of other teams as well and, and a couple of other results going their way. But they couldn't do it without their own performance that day against Oman on the final day of of League Two group play. So again, they go to Vintook knowing that, you know, they've got those memories in the back of their mind. And if they need any inspiration, they know where to find it. Uh, a team that doesn't have as much pressure on them from the ODI League Two and, and status standpoint is a, is a team like the United States who, in fairness, come in a little bit cold. Haven't played an international fixture, I think, since about November They've just come back from a, a tour of India in preparation for this competition. Uh, there's been a lot of news of, of USA cricket over the last week or so with the Major League Cricket draft. A lot of these players picked up in said draft. It's time for these guys to kind of put all their attention into cricket on the field now. And, and that can be quite difficult, especially for a lot of these guys where you know the likes of drafts and, and competitions of that nature can be somewhat of a burden on you personally and professionally. I mean, these guys are, are trying to look for any sort of uh, income sources as they can. And, and we know that USA cricket is in its own situation at the moment. So quite a lot for, for these guys to put into consideration before they walk out onto the field. One thing they don't have to worry about is their ODI status. They're in the League Two cycle for the next Cricket World Cup cycle. But Looking at this team, this is a team that has seen a little bit of transformation and a little bit of transition with with some players rotating in and out. Uh, Monank Patel leads the side. There's no Jaskaran Malhotra here. Patel will keep wicket as well. Aaron Jones, you feel, is a key player in the middle order for them. 
Nostrush Kanjige with his uh, left arm. Orthodox will be, as mentioned again, important on, on some of these Namibian surfaces. Uh, a big in, though, is Ali Khan, who has shaken off a couple of injuries over the past sort of year or so to ensure that he's available and there's no sort of T20 domestic cricket around that he's playing. He's available for this competition as well. A couple of other exciting names as well. Simon Kamala is a great young player coming through. Uh, and then you've got a little bit more of your elder statesmen in the likes of Gajanan Singh now. Saurabh Netravalka, who's a former captain himself. Nisarg Patel. Stephen Taylor, Jesse Singh. Kind of a good mix here. Shine Jahangir is a, is a backup keeper as well. They tick a lot of the boxes, but I'm not 100% sure what the final 11 is going to look like. And I think that will ultimately dictate how well they hit the ground running, Nick, if, if they are to get anything out of this competition. Well, you mentioned Ali Khan, and I'd say he's probably the <laughs> one of the first names on the team sheet. He was a leading wicket taker in Namibia four years ago in in that uh, World Cricket League yeah. Division Two, where they he was a class above, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was just unplayable. Took seventeen wickets in <laughs> in five matches, which is uh, yeah, you, you can't really argue with that. Um, besides Ali Khan, though, it's kind of a, an open question as to who comes in with, especially on the seam side of things. They've got Kyle Phillip coming back, who's quick but um, hasn't really shown his best at international level yet and then yeah a raft of spin options Nasag Patel as you say Nostrish Kanjige uh, Serb Netravalka very canny uh, left arm Seema I, I really like Netravalka I, I think uh, he's one of the most effective uh, bowlers especially with the with the kind of the, the older ball and kind of knows he knows how to just hit that awkward area and and just get a little bit a little bit of wobble if it's available or just a little bit of nip off the pitch. He's just just the kind of guy who has a lot of tricks in his arsenal and so I, I definitely think Netravalka is going to be important um, for their bowling especially. Uh, yeah, the batting. I mean, Aaron Jones has shown a, that he's uh, definitely a high quality batter uh, over this whole league to cycle. He's he's one of the top run scorers. He can be a little slow to get going, which is kind of the one of the question marks around. Uh, around his batting, but I, I guess in the 50-over format, that's less of a problem. Um, and and he has shown that uh, you know if if he gets someone to bat around him, uh, he can kind of carry carry the innings. And, and um, you know Stephen Taylor at the top of the order has been a, a bit more consistent. So you know they've they've got the they've got the bones of a pretty good team there. The, the question, as always, with them is you know how much is the the stuff back home kind of affecting their headspace. You know their CEO's just resigned. The we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it a bit more in detail with Nate. But yeah, there's there's just a, a you know a lot of a lot of uh, administrative kind of shenanigans going on as always. Sai Mukamula is one I think to keep an eye on and see if he gets much of a run. He's uh, one of the young guys who's come through the under 19s program and you know whether he gets much of a go is is kind of a question. He's he's been sort of in and out of the team. He hasn't really showed his best, but you know, he's a very talented player. So. Again, as you say, the, the pressure isn't on them quite as much uh, as, say, uh, a PNG, who definitely are playing for their livelihoods. Um, but uh, the, the USA is... Uh, yeah, we, we don't need to get into predictions just yet, but I, I think... I, I don't see them qualifying out of this tournament, but yeah, I don't see them being last either. Yeah, mid, mid-table, mid I'll probably have them between second and third here. And again, I will preface that I still haven't nailed on my prediction and I'm waiting until we complete our conversation here before I finally nail my colours to the mast. Uh, we've talked about uh, yeah, both the, the North American teams who will battle it out in, in a derby of sorts. Uh, yeah, looking at, at the teams that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet now, I want to talk about UAE and you could almost produce and record an entire podcast on its own about 
UAE cricket since about September last year when there were so many changes made. Uh, we saw the captaincy essentially ripped out of Armand Raz's hands and given to CP Rizwan on the eve of the Asia Cup and about a month out from the, the T20 World Cup. Fast forward to the end of February and the start of March, uh, we saw CP Rizwan stripped of the captaincy. It given to Mohamed Wazim. Ahmed Raza retired, now an assistant coach, for the head coach, Robin Singh, who we believe was instrumental in all of these captaincy changes and all of these personnel changes in the first place, has uh, been forced out of the uh, setup. We don't know who's leading the team. Ahmed Raza could be the head coach. We don't really know. Um, that might be good for them, actually, though, yeah, to be honest. Well, th- this is the thing. When we mentioned that, you know, a little bit earlier that Robin Singh has, has foregone the, the UAE opportunities or whether or not he was pushed, we don't really know. Uh, we know that he's got IPL deals lined up that he probably would be focusing more of his time on anyway. So, again, looking at it, it might not be the worst result from a UAE point of view. Looking at this team in the aftermath of what's happened, they almost showed enough in that last League 2 game where they put and posted a score of, uh, of over 300 against Nepal. They almost showed enough there with the bat for us to say that, look, yeah, absolutely, you know, they can keep their one-day international status and potentially finish in the top two and go to the qualifier anyway. But I just don't know in the, in the round-robin nature of this tournament whether or not there's enough consistency across five games for them to do that. I look at the at the kids coming through, and I think that's where a lot of the talent lies. And you look at some of the guys who have been left out of this particular tour, the likes of Chirag Suri, the likes of... Uh, Basil Hamid, who seemingly has been pigeonholed as more of a T20 player, although I don't really subscribe to the the notion of him being a T20 player solely. Uh, no CP Rizwan at all in this squad. You're led by Mohamed Wazim, who will go hard at the top, but if you get his wicket early and you knock over, say, a, a Vrita Aravind, then you know this team has potential of being bundled out for a score in double figures. Asif Khan, with that unbelievable century in Lee 2 against Nepal came out of nowhere from both a, a a runs output and from a strike rate point of view as well. You know, before that match, his, his strike rate and his average had, you know, was was nothing to write home about. Came out and delivered one of the, the best individual performances we've ever seen with the bat. I think there's enough with the ball. Uh, Kartik Mayapan, I think, will will have a big tournament. Zahul Khan, Junaid Siddiqui with the new ball. Hopefully, making inroads. Rob Mustafa is vital in this campaign for them, but mm. I just don't know if we're going to see enough runs out of the likes of of Wazim and and Vrita Aravind. And you know, if you're a, an opposition bowling attack and you take those two wickets, you're licking your lips, thinking that you can knock over this team for. 50, 60, 70, 80, rather than 280. Yeah, that's, it's kind of... Uh, yeah, at the moment, it seems like it's they're very top-heavy. Uh, you know, uh, Aravind, in the, at the back end of League 2, he was he was in pretty poor form, but he sort of showed that he was just scratching his way back into uh, in, into the groove. Uh, you know, he hit, I think, a 40-odd against PNG, where he was pretty scratchy, and then uh, he, he got, I think it was 90 or so, in that match, uh, the last game against Nepal, uh, yeah, he played that anchor role. He he was again, he was he was still a bit scratchy, but he was he was finding a bit more fluency. So, 
you know, if if he continues getting better and better throughout the tournament, um, he'll he'll be a real threat, and and that makes their top order look a lot more solid. Because as you say, Muhammad Wazim, it's kind of boom or bust. You know, he'll he'll hit a he'll hit 160 balls, or he'll kind of go for not too many. And you know, that's fine having having one guy who does that. But you know, then you've also got Asif Khan, who's kind of in the same mold there. So yeah, Richard Aravind's stability at the top is going to be really important for them. Um, you know, ANF Salkan has shown a little bit with the bat, but he's pretty raw. I think he's still only 19. Um, so, uh, you know, looking down the middle order, Rohan Mustafa, uh, who, who is often the guy who comes in and, and tries to dig them out of trouble down the order, he's probably going to have to play a lot of, a pretty major role with the bat as well as with the ball. Um, uh, who's, you know, he's, he's a great competitor with, with both disciplines, of course. Yeah, Mayapan, Kartik Mayapan, their leg spinner, as you say, I think is going to be important. Um, Mustafa again with the ball, with his finger spin. They really are missing Ahmad Raza with the ball. And I don't know, it might be interesting... I mean, if he's the head coach, does he does he just play himself, or is uh, you know, I I, I can't, yeah, I don't know. That, that's kind of a, an interesting. Yeah, you know, we've we've seen player coaches before at this level, so it's, it wouldn't be too surprising. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a bit, but yeah, you know, the the young the young crew coming through. Um, yeah, as we say, Alianov Sarkhan, Fritja Aravind, Ange Tandon is one to to watch. Another under 19s product. Um, Kartik Mayapan as well. Aryan Lakra. You know, the 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 young guys who've come through the under-19 system uh, are making their way into the team and, and they're starting to sort of put their stamp on, on their careers. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that the UAE, uh, you know, they have the ingredients. It's just the, the headspace and, and whether they're kind of still in chaos or whether, you know, they've they've been, I don't know, the cloud has lifted. I, I don't want to be too mean to Robin Singh, but um, yeah, it just seemed like he wasn't a, a great fit for that UAE team, especially in the circumstances of, of how he came in and, and sort of, Dougie Brown was was effectively pushed out to make room for Robin Singh, um, whereas Dougie, Dougie Brown I think was a much better fit for this side. Um, but you know we, we don't need to go over over that necessarily. I, I just think um, it, it could go kind of two ways of either they're m- maybe in a bit of disarray or having the clarity of you know Ahmed Raza who's been in the team until about five minutes ago and is definitely a senior figure that a lot of guys within that squad would um, have a lot of respect for. So you know, if he's kind of running the show, I think they might um, they might have a very good tournament. Um, but yeah, it's it's they're, they're they're very inconsistent, which is frustrating because you know a couple of years ago they were just starting to put together a, a more consistent lineup and and you know they had the guys to consistently be performing well rather than being this hot and cold you know bunch of guys who who can do amazing things one day and uh, get bowled out for under 100 the next um so yeah i i mean if, yeah I, if you had to press me i think i i think they'll probably keep their odi status but other than that yeah who knows oh, yeah i'm in the same boat as you i just don't know what uae we're going to get from this tournament and one thing I think that goes against them is that they have to play five good games of cricket and I don't think they've got five good games of cricket in them mm, good point uh, but again <laughs> when I when I break it down here and go sort of match by match I don't know where they're going to stand we'll go to Jersey now I mean the observers looking in would think that Jersey have nothing to lose here but that would be a, a, an unjust point. You know, there's a huge opportunity on the table for them here. Uh, I think Jersey uh, will become the, the 26th men's ODI team. And that's excluding the, the ICC World 11s and, and all of those other matches. Uh, that's been checked and verified by uh, 
Andrew Nixon, who actually made the point about it uh, this week on Twitter, which is cool. Good news for Jersey. Uh, I think it's it's a watershed moment in their cricketing history. We know when they have stepped up and played at global qualifiers or they've played teams that have the pundits have perceived to be stronger outfits uh, with stronger bases. They've played quite well. They've I don't want to say they're punched above their weight because I think that sounds a little bit demeaning, but for a, you know a territory of just 100,000 people, they put out a really good cricket team. And they've got 11 to 15 guys who can certainly cause an upset here. There's experience through the likes of Chuggy captaining the team. But you've also got a couple of really good kids coming through. Asa Tribe is, is a name that's been thrown around associate circles for you know a couple of years now, especially through under-19 qualifying. He's transitioned into the senior side. Uh, looks a good talent. There's good, quick talent through Julius Summerow is another te- uh, another player that I like the look of. He, he took bulk wickets in a couple of the under-19 events. They go hard at the top, and granted, against some tougher opposition, it will be a little bit harder, but the likes of Harrison Carline and Nick Greenwood, the top of the order. Jonty Jenner has some county experience. Anthony Hawkins-K Hawkins has been in the side for a while now. Dominic Blompier is a name that we haven't even mentioned yet, and there's talent there as well. Ben Stevens, Elliot Miles, you know, there is enough individual talent there. And it seems an important moment in Jersey's cricket history. And if the likes of Tribe and and some of the other kids step up here, they can certainly make a case of beating the likes of PNG and UAE and Canada for those League Two spots. And you've got to say, now's the perfect opportunity timeline-wise. The window is great for them. UAE are in all sorts. You can get PNG on a bad day. Namibia with a few guys out. USA don't really know what the makeup of that team's going to be. This is a great opportunity for them to cause an upset, Nick. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's probably the best chance that they've certainly had uh, in recent times. I think back to the 2019 T20 global qualifier, they beat Oman. They only missed out on the playoffs, uh, I think, due to net run rate. Um, so, you know, they can do it against high-ranked teams. They're, they're kind of the opposite of, of some of these other teams in that they have uh, a lot of very consistent performers and, yes. and there's always, you know, a couple of guys who stand up and there's not really a, a standout who's dominating like a Namibia or PNG where, you know, you think if they're going to go big, they need Erasmus or, or Avala to score a lot of runs with Jersey. It is shared around a lot more. So that's something that they've got in their favor is that they, they do have that kind of flexibility. If, you know, if they lose a couple of early wickets or if one of their bowlers gets hit, they've always got a few more options somewhere else to choose from. Yeah, I mean, they do have a lot of spin options too. You mentioned Elliot Miles. He's one to keep an eye on with his it has been very... Uh, Pugnacious competitor, a bit in the Rohan Mustafa mold, I think. Uh, maybe not quite as aggressive, but uh, he, he's he's definitely a competitor, and and um, so I, I like I like watching Miles. But yeah, they have have a lot of spin options. Their seam bowling is probably the weak point. They don't really have anyone particularly fast, or you know, like a Namibia has, for example, Ruben Trumpelman, or the US has Ali Khan. You know, they don't have anyone like that to really be the the leader of the attack in the same way. Um, they've just got a lot of, without being patronising, just kind of honest, medium pace guys who who put it on a on a good line and length. Um, you know, Chuggy Pashad is sort of the, the the epitome of that. You know, and that he's he's not rapid, but he's accurate and he's got some tricks in his yeah. in his arsenal. Those guys take wickets at this level, though. Well, that's, that's true. That's Those true. Those are the guys that you, you kind of like. You, you, you're toilers. That's true. That's true. And as I say, I mean, I think that's one of the strengths of Jersey at this level is that you know, especially if. I mean, we all thought the pitches would be spin-friendly back in 2019, and, and they turned out to have a lot of juice in them. 
So if the deck at, at Wanderers is a bit greener than we think, you know, someone like Pashad will trouble a lot of batters uh, who you'd, you'd think might fancy themselves against medium pace. He's crafty and, you know, the, the jersey has that kind of bowling lineup where if the conditions are favouring them, they are, are in a position to exploit them. But if the tracks are a bit more batting friendly, yeah, I, I don't I don't see their, their bowling lineup really having that cut through. So they, they're sort of covered if, if it ends up being spin friendly or if it ends up being... Uh, seeming around a lot, but if it's if it's a bit more batting friendly, I, I see that as a point of weakness. Although, yeah, their their batting lineup is quite good, so they they might be able to compensate for it in in that case. Okay, now predictions, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been burnt before, uh, especially in Namibia. That seems to be where Canada's uh, hopes for promotion go to die. But I th- I think. Maybe this year is our year in Namibia. Is, is, <laughs> I don't know. Am I am I deluding myself, Ben? No, I, I think it's a fair point. Canada have been red hot in Challenge League. You can go back four years ago. They were a little bit hard done by being the team that actually went down in the first place. You could probably put an argument saying that they're better than PNG at this point. You're not sure what you're going to get out of the USA. And if they can grab the important victories over the likes of uh, of Jersey and, and UAE, then I can't see why they can't mount a case. And I know that uh, talking to a, a couple of other people, you know, Burtis Young is another person that, that's had Canada earmarked as a potential top two team here. So I think there's a fair argument, Nick, and I'm definitely not going to sit here and, and, and criticize, accuse you of a of a level of biasness here, because I think there's enough quality in that team to seriously pose a threat here. Yeah, and you know, even Shramanta Wijayaratna coming back into the team after, I think he retired, or uh, I don't know, some, some of these uh, players. Well, the, the ODI status and the lack of central contracts has meant that a lot of these guys have, have been in and out. You know, Ramesh Aranga talked to mm, mm, Tim yeah. post-World Cricket League 2 2019, and he basically turned around and said, look, I'm going to have to pursue my, my physio professional career because there's just there's just no future and there's no financial viability in me continuing to play cricket hence why you know he hasn't been in the frame for for a couple of years yeah and i mean i, I think it was a similar thing with 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 Retna and he was just sort of pursuing other opportunities um but yes i i'm i'm very keen on canada so let's let's start on the predictions actually and um i'll go with my heart i'll say canada just uh definitely uh, through to the qualifier. Let's say, let's go all the way. Canada win the, win the group. I like it. I'll give you a six, but what I'll do is I'll go top two teams to stay up, teams to go down. I'm going to say Namibia do enough to stay in the top two uh, and go to the qualifier. I think the depth is good enough for them to get there. Oh my God. I, I, even looking at it now, I still don't know. Yeah. It's basically a process of elimination here. So with all due respect to Jersey, I think they will end in the bottom two and staying in Challenge League. But the team I'm going to say goes with them will be UAE, which I think is slightly ballsy, but I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility. And given their situation at the moment, I just don't think that they can put five consistent performances together. That leaves PNG, Canada, USA. I say PNG and Canada stay up. or Well, for Canada, it's going up. Uh, and finishing in the top two of that battle of the four with PNG clawing their way 
to ensure that they stay up as well. And I think by that logic, that means I have USA finishing in the top two. Again, I don't say that in any certainty. I think this is one of the most open competitions we've seen in associate cricket, which makes it great to watch as a neutral. And, you know, we'll be looking at this with a keen interest. And I'm sure a lot of Nepali fans out there are feeling a sigh of relief given that they don't have to go through this. Yeah. Although in saying that, I think their team would have been good enough to, to finish in the top two, irrespective of that. So I'm going to go Namibia USA top two. I'm going to say Jersey UAE go down to Challenge League. And I say that PNG Canada, well, I think PNG and Canada will be in the League Two cycle uh, in the next the next World Cup cycle. Again, it might be completely upside down that. But again, that's why we like, that's one of the reasons why we love associate cricket. There's a lot on the line in this tournament. And, you know, it comes down to this and we get the excitement that we've got from the old World Cricket Leagues. But in saying that, it comes from the levels of deduction that we've had through a more viable and a, and a better structure for associate cricket with League 2 and the Challenge League. So I think, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Nick, I think, you know, Richard Doan and everyone who's been involved in this has done an excellent job. It's just a shame that, you know, some of the members at the very high end of, of the full member sphere can't get around the Super League and ensure that the, the tiers all work together in harmony because you've got a competition here that's outstanding in so many ways and it will deliver some excellent cricket for us. Well, yeah, I mean, the promotion of this competition has not been fantastic on the ICC's part, but that's just kind of par for the course at this point. Um, yeah, okay, so, uh, yeah, all right, so I've got Canada. Let's say let's say Namibia do enough at home. Uh, they they managed it four years ago. They've got the home crowd cheering them on. They've got the bride <laughs> smoking across the across the field on the boundary. I think they'll do it. I think they'll get home. So we've got Canada and Namibia in the top two. Oh, who goes down though? That's oh jeez. Look, I I just don't see PNG getting through. I I don't think they've turned it around enough. So that's yeah, that's going to be tough for them. Then it's, oh, does Jersey join them in the bottom two? Oh, yeah, that sort of fourth, fifth is between Jersey and UAE, and and the USA I, I see just kind of mid table, uh, <laughs> mid table mediocrity, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, geez, it's a tough one. So I've got Canada and Namibia at the top, PNG at the bottom. Yeah, let's say let's say PNG are joined joined by Jersey, who don't quite get over the line, uh, and then USA come in fourth, and the UAE managed to surprise a few people and and and. Uh, stay up in League Two, but they don't quite get to the World Cup qualifier proper. So there, I, th- I think that's... Uh, I have no confidence in this, uh, but I've got Canada, Namibia, UAE, USA, Jersey, PNG. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think you've done well there. It's uh, it's going to be a tough nut to crack, and it just means that we're going to get a great tournament. People can watch it on ICC TV. Also, fan code in the subcontinent as well begins on Sunday, and by the time you are listening to this, it will more than likely have uh, got started. Uh, looking forward to it, and we'll be talking about it, of course, on, on Twitter and, and around on the emerging cricket spheres as well. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for all of that. 